This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios high atop the tallest tree in the piney woods with hair still wet from the shower. I did not want to get up this morning. <laughs> I'm dragging. Oh, I, I went to bed shortly after the game last night. I, I slept good, but boy, I did not want to get up when the alarm cock went off. Oh, such is life, right? So I will, uh, <laughs> I will drag myself through the day and go to bed early tonight. Because I got too much stuff to do to take a nap today. <sighs> that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. Do the Walter Cronkite thing. I miss Walter Cronkite. I miss news angers who just told you the news and not what they thought about it. Or, or what I really can't stand is the we're yelling at each other shows. Where you can't hear what either one of them saying because they're yelling at each other. Those aren't good either. But this is not that kind of show. This is Squirrel Chatter for Monday, February 12th, 2004. Squirrel Chatter is a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian podcast community. You can head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.com, check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have scripture reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's Monday, so we got Monday meanderings. We'll see how well that goes with as tired as I am. More coffee. Keep it coming. All right. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture readings today are Genesis 43 and Psalm 43. Genesis 43. Now the famine was heavy in the land, and it happened when they had finished eating the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. Judah spoke to him, however, saying, the man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. 
If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Then Israel said, Why do you treat me so badly by telling why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, The man questioned uh, the man questioned particularly about us and our kin, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we told him concerning these things. Could we possibly have known that he would say, Bring your brother drown? Then Judah said to his father Israel, Send the boy send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, we as well as you and our little ones. I myself will be the guarantee for him. From my hand you may require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then I shall bear the sin before you all my days. For if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best, produ best products of the land in your bags and bring them down to the man as a present, a little balm and a little honey, aromatic gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Now take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was put in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. And take your brother also and arise, return to the man. And may God Almighty grant you compassion before the man so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin, and they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Then Joseph saw Benjamin with them and said to his house steward, Bring the men into the house and slay an animal and prepare it, for the men are to eat with me at noon." So the man did as Joseph said and brought them into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, it is, it is because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we are being brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys. So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. And they said, O oh my Lord, we did indeed come down the first time to buy food, and it happened when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks, and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Be well, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. Your money has come to me. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Then the men brought the men. <clears throat> excuse me. Then. then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph coming at noon, for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. They were to eat a meal there. I'm sorry. When you're not awake, it's hard to read. Then Joseph came home, and they brought into the house to him the present, which was in their hand, and bowed to the ground before him. And he asked them about their well-being and said, Is your old father well of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they said, Your servant our father is well. He is still alive. They bowed down and prostrated themselves. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. And Joseph hurried out, for he was deeply stirred with compassion over his brother. And he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and he restrained himself and said, Set the meal. So they set the meal for him by himself and for them by themselves, and for the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they were seated before him. 
the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. And he took portions to them from his own table. But Benjamin's portion was five times greater than any of theirs. So they feasted and drank freely with him. And now Psalm 43. Give justice to me, O God, and plead my case against an unholy nation. O protect me from the deceitful and unrighteous man. For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Wait for God, for I shall still praise him, the salvation of my presence and my God. This is the word of the Lord. And now our daily reading from The Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today is, today's uh, devotional is false prophet, excuse me, false prophets are deceptive. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Matthew 7.15 False prophets are most dangerous because of their deceptive nature. We can easily recognize and defend against an enemy that poses for what it is, but when that enemy appears as a friend, it is much harder to defend against. Heretics and apostates make no claim to biblical truth and are recognizable, but deceivers disguise themselves as, as true shepherds. They give the appearance of orthodoxy and claim to teach the truth, but their intent is to deceive and destroy God's people. Paul explains this phenomenon. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15, see also... 2 Timothy 3.13 Such false prophets are demonically deceived, convinced that their perverted, distorted views are correct. They are so steeped in falsehood that, uh, that darkness seems to be light, blackness white, and error truth. This calls for genuine discernment. Excuse me, this is Dr. MacArthur we're reading here. This calls for genuine discernment. If you know, you know. But how is this best done? It is by realizing that such men show themselves by what they do not say. They seldom affirm the great doctrines of the faith, but rather ignore them. In our day of confusion and indifference, we need to pray and vigilantly test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, 1 John 4, 1 and 2. Ask yourselves, what constitutes false teaching today? Why do such philosophies continue to find room to work in hearts and minds, even of believers? What can we do to keep them away from our churches? Good word today, especially in light of what we're going to talk about during Monday meandering, um, and that is indeed the He Gets Us campaign. I don't know, this is what, three or four years old now? Um, I first heard about it when uh, before I ever saw a single ad. No, I guess I had seen like reader boards on the background of, of uh, around uh, baseball fields. They just said he gets us.org or he gets us.com, whatever the website is. Don't look it up. Um, I had seen those, but I hadn't seen any ads, just the, the he gets us thing. And then Tom Buck came out with an expose of he gets us and pointed out that the, uh, 
Southern Baptist Convention, North American Mission Board, was helping to fund this campaign. And as a result of Tom's disclosures, the uh, North American Mission Board did indeed pull their funding. But the campaign, the, the, in the grand scheme of things, the Southern Baptist funding was smaller than, it was not a significant uh, I don't know if it was significant or not, but it was it was not in pulling that funding was not enough to derail the campaign. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the the campaign continues, and they have done Super Bowl ads every year since they began, and and they are sub Christian meaning that they do not communicate the gospel. Um, they are, are presenting a single distorted fact, uh, facet of the person of Jesus Christ. Um, it is massively wokeism. <laughs> Um, I have I have read articles of people that have called the number, or or gone to the website to chat with people, and they have, you know, affirmed homosexuality and all sorts of stuff like that. It is not the true gospel. It is not the true Jesus. And indeed, they had another one of these horrible ads last night, slickly produced. They're they're cinematically catchy. But they are not at all an accurate portrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing in them about sin, righteousness, the judgment to come, or the need to repent. Um, basically, all they do is affirm people where they are. Um, that Jesus doesn't judge anybody. It's, it's a sad, sad state of affairs. This is that false prophet that we just read from John MacArthur, and it does require discernment. Um, the best way to spot a false gospel is the true gospel. And uh, so the He Gets Us campaign is, is blasphemous. As I said, it is sub-Christian. It's an incomplete message, and it, it it's an incomplete message on purpose. And I read uh, Megan Basham, excuse me, Megan Basham this morning, talking about how a lot of the funding for he gets us is from non Christians who admire Jesus. Non-Christians who admire Jesus. Folks, what we're talking about is this is a, a George Soros World Economic Forum <clears throat> funded campaign to derail Christianity. The world hates our Lord and the world hates his church. And as the world has been in ascendancy in their dominance of culture, um, not that the world has never not dominated culture, but it's getting more open in its disdain for the Lord. Um, they are working to, to damage and derail the church in massive ways. So... This is part of that. Um, and I don't know if George Soros himself funds it. I would not be surprised if he gave money to this or if organizations he supports gives money to this. Same with the World Economic Forum. I doubt if Klaus Schwab personally wrote a check to He Gets Us. But you can you know, follow the money. That would be, you know, Megan, if you're listening... <laughs> Would you follow the money on this? It would be good to have a good expose of who exactly is funding this blasphemous 
uh, distortion of the gospel. It's not even a distortion of the gospel. There's no gospel there. There isn't even a false gospel there. It's just this weird Jesus is woke thing. There's no no gospel message. There's no. It's just it's it's weird, but it's blasphemous. So, and they're they're still out there, sadly. So if uh, if you find out that uh, an organization you support helps fund, he gets us. Think about your support. So yeah, last night was Super Bowl what uh, fifty seven. <laughs> um, that's hard to believe in itself. Fifty seven, fifty eight. What was it? I think it was fifty eight. But last night was the Super Bowl. It was played in Las Vegas. Um, I, I am again troubled by the allegiance of professional sports and gambling. Um, don't know that the game was rigged. A lot of people say it was. I mean, there people were talking during the playoffs that the National Football League wanted to get Taylor Swift's boyfriend in the Super Bowl and wanted that wanted that picture of them kissing after the game as the confetti came down. Um, Taylor Swift's involvement with Travis Kelsey has boosted interest in the National Football League and brought in a whole new audience of uh, of young young women to watch football. Now my hope is that these young women will now desire strong masculine men, most of whom are not as liberal as Travis Kelsey, and that might uh, lead to more conservative families in America. That would be downright perfect in my estimation. But uh, they wanted that picture of the kiss. What they did not want was the picture of Travis Kelsey shoving and yelling at his coach. Um, there's going to be fallout from that. There needs to be fallout from that. If there's not fallout from that, there's a much more serious problem. Um, I was reading, uh, uh, oh, by the way, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the 49ers in overtime. Only the second overtime um, Super Bowl in history. And Kyle Shanahan has lost both of those overtime games because he was one of the assistant coaches for the Atlanta Falcons when they lost in overtime to the Patriots, and he was the head coach of the 49ers when they lost in overtime last night. So Kyle Shanahan does not like overtime Super Bowls. Um, and really sad, the 49ers dominated the first half. Um, but uh, they, they, you know, the... the uh, Chiefs made the adjustments at halftime. Um, it was a good game. It was well played. Um, got a little chippy in spots where uh, the uh, uh, players were not happy with each other. <laughs> um, didn't see any really bad calls, which I appreciate greatly. Um, it looked like a fairly clean game. There was some holding. They got called. There was some, you know... Uh, it was it was it was a well called game, um, and uh, so it was a good game. Congratulations, Kansas City! As I tweeted last night, win one for the Swifter. Um, I, I I don't think it was rigged. I don't know. There are the conspiracy theorists have been all over social media since the the game ended. Um, about how this was the outcome the NFL wanted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. <laughs> um, now that Travis Kelsey has another ring, maybe he'll put a ring on Taylor Swift. Um, because, right, frankly, um, you know, get married. <laughs> that's that's the, the purpose of dating is to get married. 
Um, it's not a recreational activity. It should be fun. And, and, and a dating couple can do recreational activities together. But the purpose of dating is to get married. And we need to get back to that. Um, as I believe it was John MacArthur said, puberty is God's way of telling you it's time to start thinking about marriage. People are waiting way too old to get married. Um, Taylor Swift's in her 30s. You know, she should have been married for 10 years. Um, and of course, if she'd have married one of those previous boyfriends, there would be a lot less songs about breakups. Um, and generally, I like Taylor Swift. She seems to be a nice person. I disagree with her on a lot of stuff. She claims to be a Christian. I don't believe she is. She is pro-abortion. She's pro-Joe Biden. She's going to endorse Joe Biden again, if she hadn't already. Um, you know, politically, no. But, I mean, as far as she she seems to be a nice person. Um, one of the, uh, I think it was one of the, one of the officials in the Kansas City Chiefs organization or a guest in their box at one of the games said that he just looked up and, and Taylor Swift was cleaning up the box, picking up trash, throwing it away, you know, helping to keep the, the, the luxury box they were watching the game from clean. Um, she has been, you know, she's well known for giving lavish tips to wait staff. Um, very generous, very generous with her time, very generous with her money. She seems to be a nice person. She needs Jesus. And so we pray for that. Watching Travis Kelsey's temper tantrum last night, I pray that we don't have to worry about future domestic violence issues. Um, the man needs some self-control. He too needs Jesus. So, you know, we need to pray for these people, not jump all over them. Um, I, I, I don't get the, I hate Taylor Swift thing. I, I, I was driving taxi back in 2009, 2010. And I, you know, drove around with the, the the taxi had an AM FM radio. There was no CD player or anything like that. It was an old uh, Crown Victoria uh, ex-police car. Uh, and, uh, and Crown Victorias and Chevy Caprices, those were our taxis. Um, and I was driving taxi, just had an AM FM radio, and I had dialed in, you know, the top 40 station and heard a lot of, Taylor Swift at the time um, thought it was, you know, for pop music, it was fine. Um, and then she did a, and my favorite band, for those of you who don't know, my favorite uh, secular band is Def Leppard. Um, going back to my high school years, um, listening to Def Leppard, I still listen to Def Leppard. <laughs> um, I like their music. And, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, they did a, uh, there was a country music television show called Crossroads where country acts would invite their favorite rock acts to perform together for this show. And Taylor Swift did a show with Def Leppard and it was wonderful. It was a great show, had a good time, um, and, and so I remember watching that. I actually have a DVD of it. Um, I remember watching that um, and enjoying it. And so I've kind of liked Taylor Swift ever since then. You know, just kind of, you know, we, we share a favorite band. Um, my daughter is a very big Taylor Swift fan. Went and saw her last summer during the Eras tour. So... You know, I'm I'm not down on Taylor Swift, but she needs Jesus. But all of the Taylor Swift hatred, that's not that's not a good image. Um and as somebody said, all the conservatives that are that are going after Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, 
if Taylor Swift was, if everything was the same with Taylor Swift and she was supporting Donald Trump, they would love her. And it's just a matter of, you know, you, you deal with people the way they are. Um, so pray with her, pray for her, pray for Travis, pray that he'll get some self-control. That outburst last night was totally unacceptable. Um, Bo Snerdly, the former producer for Rush Limbaugh, tweeted that uh, what would have happened if a player had yelled at Vince Lombardi or um, who else did he mention? Uh, Tom Landry or John Madden that way. Um, you know, I mean, you, you would have seen somebody benched or fired for that kind of behavior. Yet, I guess in today's market, you can get away with it. So that was that's my takeaway from last night's game. Um, I had the game on on my iPad while I was working on my computer. I kind of half paid attention to it, um, tracking the score. So a lot of it I listened to more than I actually watched. But because uh, um, I didn't have a team there. Um, I did enjoy the thought that uh, Joe Montana's former team was going to win. And they did. Because Joe Montana had quarterbacked both of those teams during his career. So, you know, that's fun, right? I, I think he was definitely a 49ers fan last night. Um, just just looked like it. Um, and they showed, you know, of course the game was in Las Vegas. And they showed Wayne Newton in the crowd, 81 years old. Um, obviously, didn't didn't it looked like Wayne Newton, but it didn't look like Wayne Newton, and that's because of the the uh, severe amount of plastic surgery he's had, and uh, definitely a a good hairdresser because his hair was as black as it's ever been um, at 81, and I don't think that's really realistic. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but yeah. Speaking of being aged, oh, President Biden did not have a good week last week. The uh, special counsel for the Department of Justice who was investigating President Biden's handling of classified information from his time as a senator and as his time as vice president issued his report last week in which he said, yes, he willfully violated all these regulations regarding uh, classified documents, but the special counselor declined to prosecute because he didn't figure that, uh, basically he didn't figure that, that Biden was competent to stand trial. Um which angered the White House immensely. And so immediately that evening, in an unscheduled press conference, Joe Biden came out and proved that he is not competent to stand trial. Um, and even this morning, I was hearing something from the 2020 campaign that was being commented on on a news, news broadcast. And... He couldn't put together that kind of articulate sentence three years later that he, he did back in 2020. His, his mental decline is, is evident and obvious. I mean, he was having problems three years ago. He's having more problems now. And this, this, um, this campaign, it's going to be evident. He's not going to be able to do any debates. We know that. Um, his rallies are going to be a joke. It's not 2020. We're not in the middle of a lockdown. He can't do his campaign from a basement this time. He's going to have to go out and give speeches. He's going to have to go out and have rallies. Hopefully his rallies will be bigger than Nikki Haley's. <laughs> Saw a video over the weekend of her big bus pulling into a town in North Carolina and there were like 10 people there waiting for her. Um, 
You know, the, the thing that ends a campaign, it's been said, is that a candidate runs out of money. And all of the anti-Trump Republicans, as well as Democrats who are just trying to stir the waters, are keeping Nikki Haley's campaign afloat. But she does not have, you know, the proverbial snowball's chance in the nethers, Netherlands. Um, you know, she doesn't have a snowball's chance in Arizona, let alone a snowball's chance in hell. Um, it's, it's not, you know, she's not it. <laughs> but they're going to keep her afloat and she's going to stay out there. She's going to get trounced. I think it's, it's tomorrow the North Carolina primary. I think it is. So she's going to get nuked in her home state tomorrow. Um, and say what you want. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. Um, and as I've said more than once, he was not my first choice. I would have much rather have seen Ron DeSantis in. Um, just as I, you know, Scott Walker was my pick in 2016. Um, and by the time the Montana primary rolls around, it's always been pretty much decided. So I, I don't, I don't get much say in who's going to be the, uh, Republican nominee for president. Um, cause it's usually settled before I get a chance to vote in the primary. Um, I mean, I was supporting Herman Cain when George Bush got the nomination. So I, I, I don't pick the winners. <laughs> I try to pick the, the best candidate for the position. Um, but once it comes down to the general election, and right now the primary's over, like I said, Nikki Haley, she's a, also ran. Um, and, and she's already been lapped. I mean, we're watching her struggle around the track after Trump's almost to the finish line. Um, and she's, she's barely started. It seems like she never, never really got off the ground. Um, you know, everybody talked about the, the polling in the, in the primary before the first votes were cast and those polls mean nothing. Just like the polls of who's going to win the presidency mean nothing. Um, it's the polls that are where the votes are cast that mean something. Um, and I think the, a lot of the news cycle is news about the news. And that's not always helpful. Um, but, uh, yeah, Biden's in trouble. And, and his approval rating is the lowest of any president ever at this point in his campaign. His approval rating is lower than Jimmy Carter's, folks. Um, he's not going to be reelected. And with the memory issues that he is now exhibiting and the fact that it is impossible to hide it, <laughs> looking at, um, what happened last week, the press is turning on him. There's, there's, um, a lot less, uh, cover up for him, um, Green Jean Pierre, the, the Pierre, the uh, White House spokesperson, um, was just flummoxed by all the questions that came her way after his press conference. Um, she's not going to have a good week. <laughs> um, she's a bad liar anyway, but she just falls apart at these press conferences, and it's uh, it's not looking good for her. Um, and Biden, as I said, he has always been a dishonest and angry man. And you can go back to when he ran for president in the eighties where he, you know, was giving Neil Kinnock speeches as his own, where he claimed to have graduated top in his law school and claimed to have done so on a scholarship and claimed to have degrees he didn't have. And he always did this in angry tirades to people who questioned him. And he still gives angry tirades 
when he's questioned. Go back and look at the press conference last week. Um, he is a, an angry man and he is a dishonest man and his cognitive decline is not helping that because he's still an angry man and he's still a dishonest man, but now he's angry, dishonest, and forgetful. Um, and, and it's only going to get more worse, more apparent as the campaign season rolls on. So, you know, before their convention, which I don't know the date of or where they're meeting, but I think sometime before their convention, the Democrats really need to make a move. Um, whether it's have him resign now and put Kamala Harris in office, whether it's, you know, have him drop out at the convention and then have the convention just select a candidate, uh, you know, bring back the smoke-filled back room um, where the candidates are decided at the convention. Don't know how it's going to work out. It's going to be interesting to watch. Not necessarily good to watch, but interesting to see how it works out. I can't see Joe Biden being the candidate going up against Donald Trump. Is it? He can't debate. He can't give a speech. And it's it's going to be, you know, he confused the president of, well, he confused Egypt for Mexico, basically. He confused Egypt for Mexico, talking about getting the president of Mexico to open up the border and allow aid to Hamas to go in. Speaking of which, aid to Hamas. <laughs> Apparently, there's an entire UN aid agency that's a wholly owned sub subsidiary of Hamas. Came out a couple of weeks ago that, that employees of this aid agency, which... Donald Trump had pulled funding from, but Joe Biden has restored that funding. It's now, that funding has been suspended in light of recent news. But this aid agency, and I don't have the name of it, it's, but it's the aid agency from the United Nations involved in distributing humanitarian aid, quote-unquote, to Gaza. This aid agency... Um, had a dozen or more employees who were part of Hamas and many of whom actually took part in the October 7th attacks on Israel. The United Nation aid agency employees working with Hamas and taking part in the attack on Israel. And then now it turns out they have discovered underneath the headquarters of the, uh, underneath the UN headquarters, they have discovered another one of these Hamas tunnel networks, a, a, a headquarters underneath the UN headquarters. And indeed, they got all of their electricity for that tunnel network from the UN headquarters. So the money that you've been sending to the UN... <laughs> voluntarily or not, the money your government has been sending to the UN has been paying for the electricity for the terrorist organization Hamas. And yet everybody wants Israel to go light on Hamas. Folks, Hamas needs to be wiped out. Hamas needs to be removed from the board. They are evil. They are vile. They are evil. They need to be destroyed. Um, and I don't know how to put it any plainer than that. They are just, they're, 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 they are inhuman. Yeah. Yes, they need the gospel. Yes, they need to repent and turn to Christ, but they need to answer for their crimes. Um, and, and, you know, Israel, too, needs to repent and turn to Christ. But Israel is not the bad guy in this fight. However much the world wants to portray Israel as the bad guy in this fight, 
Israel needs to wipe out Hamas. And and it's it's apparently turning out to be more difficult than Israel had <clears throat> first believed. But honestly, they need to start blowing up these tunnels. Which, yes, that might bring down the hospital up on the street. That might bring down the apartment building that's above the tunnels. That might bring down the school that's above the tunnels. Clear the people out of these buildings and blow up the tunnels. <clears throat> you cannot leave them intact. You cannot leave them intact. And blowing them up is a lot easier than filling them in. Um, and, and there have been places where Israel has, you know, cleared an area and then moved on. And Hamas is moving back into the area that's been cleared. That's why their facilities there need to be wiped out. So they have no place to move back to. So that is, it's a, it's a dirty business war, but it needs to be fought dirty. Um, and it needs to be fought for victory. And victory involves the defeat of the enemy. Negotiated pieces are simply agreed upon pauses to reload. Yeah. Everybody wants a ceasefire. There was a ceasefire. Hamas broke it. And it's time to take them out of the game. All right, that's Monday Meandering today. Um, again, I'm tired. I'm sorry if I rambled. Um, it's going to be an interesting Monday. I wish I knew why I didn't feel more rested. Um, you know, because I'm old and fat and out of shape and I don't exercise enough. I know all that stuff. Yeah. I, I can just hear, because that's what Mrs. Squirrel tells me, and she's right. Um, I need to exercise more and, uh, need to, and I would probably sleep better if I did. Um, so yes, I admit to all of that. All right, folks, let us recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, the colic for the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, which was yesterday. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Lent, and Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And no, these are not papist traditions. They predate the papacy by a long time, and they predate Roman Catholicism. So um, don't let your rightful disdain of Roman papacy rob you of the, the history and heritage of the Christian church. It's, uh, you know, study church history. You know, the John, uh, uh, James White has said more than once that the two most important subjects he studied for preparing him for his career as an apologist were the original languages and church history. And so study church history. I have an extensive church history section back here behind me. Um, and I'm constantly reading in church history, and it's important. I, I tend to I tend to always be. In addition, I'm reading, you know, for whatever I'm teaching. So I've got, you know, right now it's Ephesians. So I've got the commentaries on Ephesians are always close by. I'm also always trying to read a theology. And read. In church history, so I've got you know, three stacks of books that I'm kind of working through um, and all of that, and then try to keep up on current events and, and everything else. And this is why I don't exercise. I'm sitting here reading all the time. <laughs> um, right now I'm reading uh, um, the Doctrine of the Word 
from John Frame. And I'm reading this one because I'm auditing a class from GBTS by Owen Strand on the doctrine of Scripture. I've also got uh, Beakey's Reformed Preaching here because I'm taking a preaching class for Josh Bice. Um, it's good to be Captain Audit. <laughs> um, the school allows pastors and retired pastors to audit classes. We are the only ones apparently allowed to audit classes. And uh, so I, I take full advantage of that. And I'm auditing at least one class every semester. Um, I'm also starting to look into auditing some classes from Shepherds because I want to I want to audit some of Mike Vlock's classes and I'd like to audit some of some of Peter Gaiman's classes. Um, so, you know, just to brush up on my eschatology. Um, it, it'd be nice not to be the only dispensationalist in the room <laughs> uh, in a in a class. I'm not the only dispensationalist. There are a few of us at GBTS. But uh, by and large, it is not a dispensational school. Um, so it might be nice to, to audit some classes from more dispensational sources. So the colic for the sixth Sunday after Epiphany. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross, and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Colic for the Renewal of Life O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Monday. I hope you have a fabulous day ahead of you. I hope all goes well with you. And as you go through the day, remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.